0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Rank Up, where you will learn how to become an elite instructor and grow your martial arts school. My name is Michael Hodge. I'm the founder of the GMAU, and I'm also one of the leading contributors to the Certified Martial Arts Teacher course and certification. So today we're talking about funding and launching your school. Now, if you already operate a school at some capacity, there's still going to be a lot of information here that's going to help you out in expanding, growing, and improving what you already have and taking it to the next level like how can you do that in a financially sound way that actually works out you're not going to get into a lot of debt you're not going to be owing lenders and banks and investors and things that are it's sustainable growth basically right so we're going to look at different options so just quickly the five ways to fund your school that i'm going to put into categories or buckets here personal savings from friends and family from an investor or investors getting a bank loan or using credit cards and then the last one is crowdfunding or pre-enrolling students. Now, of course, you might use a combination of these things uh, as well as I did to initially start my first school. And things can change depending on what your goals are, right? So, and we also are going to talk about should you bootstrap and improve your martial arts school as you go, or should you just do a full build-out up front? Um, so we'll go, go ahead and dig into this. Of course, the five ways to fund your school. The first one, personal savings. If you haven't been saving at least 10% of your salary, your income, whatever it is, to this point in time, um, that's something you should really start doing anyway. Um, But having some level of personal savings as an emergency fund, but then also to start a business or something like this is, is very important. So having some personal savings to start with would be great. I mean, if not, if this is just the time for you to jump in and go for this, asking some friends, asking some family members, especially to help you out um, and then you pay them back on your own terms with them is not something to be too afraid of. You know, you don't have to worry about having your tail between your legs here on this one. You know, don't ask for too much if you're going to do that. If you're going to do a full build out and you're looking to start a mega school and put a lot of money into it up front, um, you know, you might do a combination of these things, but you really don't want to sour relationships. Um, so what I'm saying is if you're going that route, uh, I would definitely start with smaller asks and just make it work and make it happen as you go. That That's just how I see things. The next one is investor. It's actually quite rare that people get investors to invest in the creation of a martial arts school. I mean, the reason why, it is a service business. There's nothing particularly proprietary about it in most cases. Um, it's not like you have this new app or you have this new product that is completely unique around the world that doesn't mean your school isn't going to be amazing and can't be different and better, I'm not saying that. It's just, in general, not as investable as some other things with perhaps higher or hyper growth that they could invest in. Now, I actually have two friends that they both had investors. I get them started with their schools, so I know it does happen. And um, with an investor, you know, I'll probably talk about this a little bit later on, but I have a friend who, he started his school, he had met um, some multimillionaires that run some very successful online businesses whenever he was working at someone else's martial arts school as an instructor. And they kind of hit it off and he was kind of telling him about all of his plans and things that he wanted to do in his own life, my friend, and, and the investor pretty much offered and they worked a deal out, I don't know all the specifics, but the investor put a pretty good amount of money up, wrote him a check. And then they invested in equity stake in the business itself. So they go, oh, that sounds pretty awesome, having multimillionaires invest in my school. And it could be. You know, what I would say is that if you're going to work with an investor, make sure they add value beyond just the monetary insertion, okay? So if they're going to write you a check for 50000 and they're like, okay, here's your 50000 this is what you need to open your school, and I'm going to own 25% of it you like know, cool, have an investor, you know, this is like being on chart Tank or something. Um, the thing is, you could have just gotten a bank loan or, or done something else for that 50,000 or started with more of a bootstrapped operation and kept 100%. It's not just even about the equity percentage, but it's like, what value are they going to add? Who are they? Are, are they interested at all and, and adding value from a marketing perspective, management, helping me go to multiple locations, helping me take this to an online school as well, or doing other things like that, then, yeah, it might be worthwhile working with them. Like, if I was going to invest into your school and I'm like, hey, here's a check for 50 grand, and I, I now own 25% of it, you might... Want to take that because I actually do have a lot of experience in the industry. I have connections. I have the ability to add value to what you're doing in a way it would make sense. Now, if you met someone that you're teaching his kid karate at a local school and he owns a successful used car dealership and, you know, you're telling him about how you want to start a school and you don't have a lot of money though. And he's like, Hey, you know, I'll, I'll get you started. Here's the money. You know, I just want 25% or whatever. And you take it. Yeah, but he just gave you money. I mean, it's very possible he's not going to add value beyond that. He's just being a shrewd businessman. He just wants to get a return on his money. And even then, I guess he must have a lot of, a lot of confidence in you. So um, in most cases, investor isn't a, an avenue to pursue. Uh, if it happens to fall into your lap and it works out, uh, definitely try to give up as little of your business as possible and don't ask for too large of an amount again. Um, but I'll move on. So the next one we'll talk about real quick is bank loan or credit cards. Getting a traditional bank loan for a business that has obviously not yet been established can happen depending on your credit score, depending on your previous salaries and your tax returns. And uh, it's definitely a process that can take a while, lots of paperwork and everything else. Um, you know, definitely looking for like an SBA or a lower interest rate loan if you're going to do that. Another option is credit cards. I, I'm not a big fan of using credit cards other than taking advantage of them to get reward points and paying off the balance in full each month. But if you needed to open up a card, um, you know, specifically looking for a 0% APR card, maybe for the first 18 months. I know there are some credit cards out there that do things like this. This would actually allow you to put your initial purchases on the credit card. The most important ones just to get going, like maybe buying your mats and your initial opening inventory for your uniforms and equipment and things like that. And as you go, you're obviously going to be building up your student base and your recurring revenue, and you can pay that off without any interest. Once you're done, a couple of years from now, you can just shut down the card if you need to. It really doesn't affect your credit as much as a lot of people think. Um, That's an option. I did open up a 0% credit card once um, actually for a book publishing company that I started, and um, I used it literally because I didn't have the cash flow, and I used it to create my first order to buy books, and it was about $3,000 just just to get my first book shipment. And, yeah, it was 0%, so just want to point that out. It's an option. The last one's definitely my favorite way, which is crowdfunding or pre-enrolling. We'll go into details on this a little bit later, but the idea here is you know about crowdfunding by now. I'm sure whether it be Kickstarter, GoFundMe, um, Indiegogo, these sort of websites, right? And a lot of that is good for, like, online businesses or products. Local businesses and service businesses sometimes will use it um, in a way it's not always as necessary. But the thing about crowdfunding is people think, you know, you're going to put out this thing and you're just going to ask friends and family and community members, hey, help me out, help support me, hey, send me some money so I can start this business. Usually doesn't work that way. I mean, you're pretty much getting people who would potentially be interested as customers to you know, crowdfund you and back you. Anyway, so what I would say is really do a pre-enrollment campaign. And for the Global Martial Arts University, we've done pre-enrollment campaigns before to get the GMAU, uh, the new website and everything started. We actually did one and we did it for the Taekwondo course we just launched actually earlier this year. And it allows you to have people pre-enroll at a special price and uh, know that you're going to have those students already on day one. Now, we'll go into more details on how to pre-enroll. In a little bit, but, uh, pre-enrolling, you generally want to offer a special deal, what we call a founder's membership. Like, okay, you know, the membership's actually gonna be 150 a month, uh, for the two classes a week or whatever it is. But for everyone who's going to get a founders membership, we're only offering 50 of these. The first 50 students to enroll into this school, you're getting it for just $100 a month or $125 a month, whatever you choose. But and then it, the price will never change for you. So like they know they're getting a really special deal. They know it's a founders membership. It's it, it sounds very special, and then also. And you don't have to do this, but you could say it'll never go up, it'll never change, which, again, I'm not a big fan of, like, raising tuition prices on someone. I usually grandfather rates in, even once I do raise my rate prices to the public anyway, but um, you could mention that. So, of course, pre-enrolling is amazing because you if you pre-enroll the 50 students over the course of a month, two months, as you're preparing to get your school totally open um, – that them paying their first month, their registration fees, their equipment can easily be, let's say, $10,000 or something, which could very well pay for a lot of the things you needed to get going anyway. And uh, now you don't have any debt. You already know you have 50 students on day one that's about to be recurring revenue on their tuition and everything. There's just a lot of good things about that. So we talked about should you bootstrap or should you go for that full built out build out up front? Again, a friend of mine, uh, Michael South, who was one of the founding GMAU Krav Maga um, instructors has a really awesome school. It's in Oklahoma City. He has about 300 active students. He's really killing it over there. He's doing a great job. Uh, just amazing classes. Like, the quality of his students are really impressive. And uh, I know that because I know him well, and I know his school well. I've been over there quite a few times. Uh, he actually did get an investor to get launched with his school, and um, he did go for the full build-out model. You know, he just had everything done from the beginning, and I did a bootstrap model, so I have more experience in that, and that's kind of just how I like to handle things anyway. I like to prove myself, prove the model in the market first before I go all in and, and get bun- a bunch of loans and debt and things like that. <clears throat> just in general. As an entrepreneur, that's how I prefer it. But, you know, when you're gonna bootstrap, you just need to start with the most important things. What do you really need to run a martial arts school? What's most essential? Well, you really don't have to have anything. I mean, to be honest with you, it is a service business. Again, you could just have a warehouse. It's you. You're just training right there with a group. You could do it in a garage dojo. There's lots of options. I mean, ultimately, you're the product. You're the person teaching. But I mean, if I'm starting an actual physical facility, um, the first thing, first of all, regarding the business itself is a great logo. I wanted to make sure to point this out. A great logo or branding in general Please don't skimp on this. You know, you're like, oh, I need to kind of keep my costs low on bootstrapping. Don't bootstrap your logo. Don't have some friend just because he kind of is good at graphic design design it. I mean, make sure you get something that's really impressive. that looks very professional. I've used 99designs before, which is a logo design contest. They actually designed the most recent GMAU acronym logo, and um, I've used them for a couple of other ones in the past. You could use something like Upwork or Fiverr or hire an online freelancer uh, or potentially even a local designer. But spend some money. Make sure you have a really awesome uh, logo that you can change colors on easily. Make sure it's something you can go a single color on that you can put on different color backgrounds because you're going to have different color shirts and uniforms. And some people don't realize this. They like have a very multicolored logo, that, um, and then they're not very graphically oriented or computer illiterate perhaps. And, uh, it just can look kind of bad in other places than just like on one piece of paper or in, in the initial graphic that you saw. Now next, mats are good flooring. So clearly I know a lot of traditional schools like to use wooden floors. And actually here in the studio that we built, we put a high quality, 100% bamboo down originally for our Japanese martial arts programs such as bojitsu and shotokan karate. And, uh, but now I do have mats. They're a hun- I think they're an inch and a half. Tatami hybrid Swain mats made by Swain Dolimer. And my original school had Swain mats, and they lasted for like over ten years. They're really, really good. But uh, a good, good quality mat not only makes your school look more professional. Like it just looks awesome. It looks like the real deal. I mean, they're not just like these cheap puzzle mats that you would see in a kid's playroom with like toddlers walking around on. I mean, it looks like it's a real martial arts school, I guess is what I'm saying, whether it be the seamless mats, the smooth mats for MMA, BJJ, that sort of thing. Um, So invest in some good mats. These will last you a very long time if you take good care of them. And uh, it's something that is worthwhile. Branded equipment. So you just get what you need at the beginning, whether it be like Square hand targets, focus mitts, um, kick shields, tombstone pads, that sort of thing. You might not even need a bunch of like wave masters or freestanding bags or hanging bags. You could add those things later on. Like get the things you need right at the beginning to really train, to run good classes. And brand it with your new logo. Like make it look like it's legit. It's a real professional organization. It's not just you buying random stuff in random places you don't go to a restaurant that has a chain of hundreds of locations and it shows like the name and the brand of the company that makes the cups and the forks and all that. You know what I mean? It's like it's branded and they're creating an experience for you. doesn't really cost that much more. Um, definitely get some good chairs, something that looks nice. Don't don't skimp on your, spe- your parent chairs or your spectator chairs, whatever you want to call them. Um, you know, make sure something that looks clean and uh, a good sign. I mean, investing in a good sign, you could start with even a more basic sign and then upgrade it later on. But something that looks clean and professional, you don't just put some you know, grand opening banner out and keep it out for a year. Those are some of the most essential things that I would point out. Of course, you also need some starting inventory, such as T-shirts that you get branded, uniforms that I recommend also getting branded, and equipment for your equipment packages. You always want to have students buy their equipment package when they enroll. Make that mandatory. The equipment package might be a pair of gloves or like boxing gloves, for example, or MMA gloves, and then their uniform, the T-shirt, maybe a duffel bag or a backpack, a square hand target that they can practice at home with, maybe even a DVD with your video curriculum on it or whatever you want to put in it, but um, have your starting inventory for that. You also want to have some money for marketing print materials, you know, printing out some good quality postcards or flyers or something like that. Again, don't skimp on paying a designer to get a good grand opening graphic made and that you could use on social media that you could also print out on flyers or postcards and put them around the local community and also have some money for some Facebook or Google ads, which you might want to run some of those. I would definitely recommend running some of those to get things started, Um, having a little money for that. Definitely get a website started, clearly. Uh, You don't have to build everything from scratch. There are a lot of turnkey options. Uh, You could just build a simple WordPress site or something that has a lead capture on it. You definitely want to make it easy for people to uh, give you their name and their information, their phone number, their email, so that you can get back with them, set up a free introductory course or whatever it is that you're doing. Uh, Make sure it's a lead magnet style website and you're not just giving people information. So that's important. And some other things I want to point out is when you're bootstrapping, you can negotiate terms and demand a longer pay period. So whenever you're buying these big purchases like mats, mats are probably going to be your biggest purchase. Um, First of all, negotiate, like offer... or. Uh, offer a lower price because you're like, hey, I'm comparing these guys. I'm comparing Dollar I'm comparing Fuji, I'm comparing a couple of uh, Zebra, and they gave me this quote. You know, if you can beat that, I'll go with you. Like they're willing, you're, they're willing to, to beat those prices. They're willing to work with you, some. Okay, and if you can get a zero percent financing or low interest financing on those big purchases, also something to look at. Like don't just take things at face value. If you're not used to negotiating, if you're not used to running a business and doing these things. You're, it's something that you should learn, right? So you're in control. You're the consumer. You're the one who's actually paying for these things. Don't think that you don't have the voice to state that you want better terms, right? So just wanted to point that out. I also wanted to point out that starting in a smaller location, maybe 1,500 square feet, 1,500, 2,000 square feet is, is fine, like a clean, respectable location, not some you know, back alley, gross-looking building just because it's cheap. No, I mean, it needs to be clean. It needs to be a respectable location. It doesn't have to be on Main Street necessarily. Like, this doesn't. This isn't a hotel. This isn't a gas station. This isn't a restaurant. And the Internet will drive people to your school. So I wanted to point out that you don't have to have, like, the very best location, which is more important for something like a restaurant. But it should still be... Um, again, a nice building that you're actually getting a lease in. Um, there are lots of different types of buildings. It could be a shopping center. It could be kind of a warehouse or a metal building, um, but it's, it's clean, respectful. It's got good parking. It's got good terms. Negotiate those terms on your lease. I mean, consider something for one, two, or three years, uh, you know, Go for a shorter period of time, especially because you're probably going to be able to outgrow that facility and maybe move into something even better down the line, and you don't want to put yourself on the hook with very high overhead when you're starting out. Again, this is the bootstrapping model. If you're going for the full build-out model, which we'll talk about in a second, you might be more likely for something that's much more costly. Um, look at the triple nets. Look at the utility costs. Look at what you're going to be responsible for. In my lease, I had to pay for air conditioning, HVAC, Um, maintenance and repair, which got kind of expensive sometimes. You need to be aware of all these things. And again, in a previous episode, we talked about the five different models. You might start out in a a part-time martial arts school in a community center. Um, You might find a local fitness facility or dance studio where they have a completely free room for a few hours twice a week, and you pay them a small rent, you don't have utilities, you don't have a lease, you don't have any of that, and you can build up your school initially, you can still build up your school and then have 40, 50 students or something, and then go full-time full, full time or go into another facility, right? But I want to play this out. Don't price yourself too low just because you don't have your own facility. Like, that's a limiting belief. I, I see people who run martial arts schools, they are good instructors, and they're making big change in their students' lives. And they, because they're in a community center or something like that they charge like 50 bucks a month I'm like first of all you're bringing the entire industry down you're, you're making martial arts seem like they create no value for your student base which isn't true just because you're not in some fancy you know shiny 5,000 square foot brand new facility it doesn't mean you have to uh, price yourself so low like ultimately people aren't paying for the facility. Uh, Again, you want a clean, respectable, nice facility, but you can do that in a community center or at your own place that you lease. It's ultimately about the instructors. It's about you or the instructors that, that are teaching the classes, the product that they're creating, the experience, the results that they're giving the students. That's why people come. Like, I run my private academy, my kids' academy right now, on our property in the middle of nowhere in this this building that has metal siding, and, it, and it's a nice building, but it doesn't look like a martial arts group. People are like, is this a barn or something? They walk in the door, it's all branded, it's got nice mats, it's got great equipment and everything, but still, it's fairly simple and uh, ultimately it's about the class it's about the experience and with bootstrapping and this is what i did is i i actually started my my full time school in 2009 when i went all in um I already did have mats from the previous school, but I had $5,000 saved, and that's it. I used it to get a basic sign, to get my initial equipment going, um, to get the starting inventory, and to pay for some print marketing materials. We did a little build-out. My father-in-law helped me build a little three-foot barrier wall and then a front counter, and that was it, and we were out of money. So it wasn't a whole lot, but what happened is as we grew... Uh, we, we would reinvest profits into the business. So I remember uh, we got a little bit, we had a little bit of money. So we bought six wave masters, right? We had more wave masters now we could use, which was great for classes. We had a little bit more money, and um, we got a couple more mats actually to make our spa- mat space bigger you know next month we had some money so we bought some tables and chairs for the lobby the next month we bought a sofa for the lobby we bought a new computer for the front desk the next month we you know later on we bought a new sign later on we actually did a t- total new build out inside of there we enclosed the rooms with glass with huge windows you could actually see inside of the classes but it was completely soundproof in there we added another room we enclosed the program director's office with with a glass door and all these things like all these things were improved and built out over time. We, we got this really nice channel letter uh, branded sign that was out front, and uh, we reinvested as we went without any debt at all. So just wanted to point out that's the bootstrapping model. The other model is the full build-out model. Again, I don't have as much personal experience with this, but I have some friends who have done this, such as, my, again, my friend Michael South, and you, you do it big from the beginning. You pretty much... Have a loan, or an investor, or just you had a lot of money saved up. Whatever you're doing, and you you get everything done. Like, okay, this is my my model. I want to have 250, 300 students within two years. I need to have these two big training floors. I need this. I need the you know the showers, the changing rooms. I need the build out, and you spend a lot of money on your build out, on all your mats, on all your equipment. Everything like that. You're going to need some operating capital to cover your burn rate or your monthly overhead because it's going to take you longer, you know, to go into the black to actually become profitable. And, uh, you might need to, you know, have help out the gate with some staff members if you're going this way. You're kind of going big or going home. And and that can be done and that can be very successful. You might also consider subcontracting out instructors such as like a yoga instructor or someone like this that's teaching classes in off-peak times to help you bring in more revenue to cover your expenses while you're getting everything up to speed. A couple of years down the line, you might have way more students and you might kind of have to kindly ask the yoga instructor to go teach somewhere else because you now need to run classes at that time period. But it's a good thing you could do um, to get you moving forward. So that is the full build-out model. Um, That's another option. that It's riskier, but it could give you that That special feel, you might have a specific type of facility you want to operate, maybe you really need a a large space um, and you want to go big or go home, and, and that's definitely an option. So let's go ahead and talk about launch marketing. Let's talk about how do you actually start marketing that school, get those initial students, bring in some revenue, know that you have students for your first class ever. So I started that school, the full-time commercial school, in 2009, and then just two years ago is when I launched the Kids Academy here, and I did things a little differently for both of them. So one idea is definitely setting up a weekly Saturday morning beginner's workshop. Now, if you already have the place that you sign the lease on, even if you're still doing construction, if you have like one room or just one place, you can do a small group class, do that. Or if you need to... Uh, find some other location to meet with people, to sign them up, you know, that's something that you can do. So, now let's talk about launch marketing. How do you actually get new students to your school? So, back in 2009, I launched the full-time commercial school, and then just two years ago, I actually launched my private kids academy here. So, I've done things a little bit differently in each of these. For one, um, like with the kids academy, I, I set up one-on-one introductory lessons throughout the week to pre-enroll students. Like the you know, you're busy, you're probably helping with the build-out, you're painting, you're just doing different things, getting things going, and you have stuff going on social media. You have some flyers out already. You have some people contacting you, right? And so, like, okay, I just want to let you know that I offer a free introductory lesson to actually work with your child or work with you, if they're an adult, one-on-one to show you all the benefits. And of course, you've already asked them about what benefit are they looking for as well. That's really important. We're talk, not talking about a phone script right now. But you know what's important to them, you talk about that, you point out in the introductory lesson, they're going to get to know you, they're going to get to have a feel to make sure this is a right fit for them, and then afterwards you'll get them enrolled into the program. I always say that, like I always like let them know, I don't say, and then afterwards I'll talk to you about the prices, or afterwards I'll see if you want to enroll, absolutely would never say that. So, to set up a one-on-one introductory lesson, this whole thing usually takes 30-45 minutes, and um This could be done at the place you're building out right now if you have a small space just somewhere to do your lesson. If you literally don't have that place yet, you could meet somewhere else or ask if there's someone that you know or a fitness center or some community center that would let you meet up and do a lesson or or a garage dojo or whatever you got to do to do that introductory lesson. And I did these. I was doing quite a few of these, three, four of them a week, for the five, six weeks leading up to the launch of the Kids Academy. And I literally enrolled every single person. Uh, no one didn't want to enroll. Like there was one person I had to turn down for another reason, but uh they go, you know, you need to know how to do a good introductory lesson, which we're not discussing right now. But you do a good introductory lesson. Again, this is launching the school. So you're pointing out this is what the price is going to be. This is our pre-enrollment, like founders membership deal, uh, you know, special that you get and I'll get you going right now. They pay the registration fee, their first month, and you get their equipment going, whatever you need to do. You get them enrolled. Here's the class schedule. Our first class is this day at this time. You know, I won't be seeing you guys for three or four weeks. You might be enrolling them, you know, three, four, five weeks before the first class ever. And I, I've, I've done that before, and it was no problem. Of course, just make sure you give them a call and an email before, like a couple of days before the first class, just to remind them. The other thing to do that I did with my full time commercial school is set up a Saturday morning beginners workshop, also called a mass intro. 10 a.m. is a really good time for this. Maybe you'll do one at like 11.30 a.m. for your adult program. And you can promote this. You promote the event throughout the week. You promote it on social media with posts. You can do boosted posts. You can put it on your business Google business listing. You can make that free event on Facebook, on Google, on Craigslist. You can put flyers up around the town. You can put cards and businesses, right? You can put up snipe signs talking about it or, or political-looking signs right, that go on the side of roads. You can promote this free event and all the interest you get throughout the week. You know, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine phone calls. You tell them all about this, you know, beginner's workshop. We're going to be showing you the basics of martial arts, helping your child succeed and teaching him focus and concentration and respect and self-discipline. All the things that we do in martial arts. And then afterwards, we're going to give you guys a special offer and give you the ability to actually enroll into our school that we're about to launch. And what happens is you do a mass introductory lesson. You give that—basically, that it was like the one-on-one introductory lesson. But now you're doing it for five, six kids at once, or five or six adults all at once. And then afterwards, you give them a special, and then you go ahead and enroll them. Now, I'll have a future episode on how to do this because I've spent a lot of time on on, on more or less perfecting this. And you can enroll five or six people all at one time, and it really maximizes your time. You're able to continue to work if you still are working full-time at another job— or you're doing all the other things to get your school launched, and then come Saturday morning you have ten new students because you did one at 10 a.m. And you did one at eleven thirty a.m. You could do that every Saturday for like a month leading up to the launch of your school. You could do something called like signups, where you don't actually do a lesson yet. You just have people walk in the door, you show you talk to them about everything that's happening, this is a special, and then you say, Hey, we only have a few spots left, you have the paper out in front of them. I literally did this with the kids' academy because I I genuinely only had 10 spots I was enrolling. I'm like, "Look, I only have 3 spots left in this age group. You know, I can go ahead and get you enrolled now." I had people that were just willing to enroll. I liked doing the introductory lesson anyway. It wasn't just about, you know, "Oh, I think that I'll make sure that they're enrolled because they'll see the value, the kid will enjoy it, etc." It's because I wanted to give them that uh, orientation. Like I wanted the students to feel welcome and ready to go on their first class. They know some basics. They know the importance of saying yes, sir, and no, sir, and bowing, showing respect. They know how to sit down, you know, on our legs lock position. They know how to do some things already. So class number one isn't going to be like throwing them into the wild. Um, that's another reason I do introductory lessons, whether it's a one-on-one or a mass introductory lesson. Other ways to get your launch marketing going, you know, setting up a booth in front of us or like a table, um, going to a daycare. Or a local school, if they have a meet the teacher event, some sort of, you know, parents, parent teacher organization event coming up, some way where you can come out and just present what you're doing, become a part of the community, create that conversation and just get it going, right? I already mentioned it, but I mean social media, doing good posts, making quick videos, putting out photos and building up that, that interest. And doing even boosted or advertised posts can also be very good okay so finally before we get into our question i want to talk about how you bring in initial revenue like how do you actually make money before your school even starts so whenever i enrolled new students before my school started i had a registration fee and new student registration fee which you could charge 49 dollars, 79 whatever i mean you you might be in a completely different country anyway and that that currency doesn't make any sense, you might uh, most likely would charge their first month and also their equipment package. Now, it really depends on the income level, income bracket of the student base or the demographics you're working with. For some, it might be like, oh, okay, $49 plus the first month is, let's say it's $150. Okay, that's $199. The equipment package, let's say, is $100. That's $299. Okay, so for some, that's no big deal at all but you might have a different income bracket which i personally worked with more of a middle class or even lower middle class like not not an extremely affluent income bracket i know the challenges i know the struggle but i know how willing these families are to do whatever it takes for their kids i know how willing even the adults are to make change and they see the value in martial arts right so you you can do something like they pay the registration fee and then you schedule the first month actually Couple of weeks from now, or they pay the registration fee in the first month, and that equipment package is mandatory, but you offer them to pay, make two payments on it, and the two payments are scheduled on their account, you know, like three weeks from now, and then the other half is five weeks from now. Um, so always working with people and giving them options. If they really want to enroll, and they're going to be able to pay for it, but it's a lot all at front, up front, um, split that up, and I always, I don't, I want to point out that depending on where you're at, you might have to do this. But I usually don't do what's called a cash promise. Them saying, okay, you know, no problem. I'll come back in next week. I'll give you some of the cash. I'll pay for half of it. And what happens is that you become a bill collector. What happens is that you have to like make notes about them not paying you this, this, and this. It's, it's really a headache. It's really a problem. It's something I used to do sometimes and then I stopped completely. If someone doesn't pay the full amount that you ask them that they legitimately owe on the day they're enrolling, you have to schedule in advance on their account. And for us, we only set up payments on debit card, credit card, or checking accounts. They're automatic payments. It's very simple. People honestly prefer it. And you can choose a day of the month. Or another thing I was going to point out is we offer monthly tuition or buy weekly So let's say our tuition is 150 a month or it's 75 bucks every two weeks. Um, again, with the equipment package, if it's $100, uh, like with tax one hundred and eight twenty-four. You know, if they, they're they having trouble paying that for, like, oh, you know, also you could do two payments, 54, um, 12 or whatever that is. And um, that is another way to do that. And just schedule that on their account. We aren't talking about billing, you know, mem- billing software and things like that today. But having a good recurring billing program is also critical. I didn't mention it earlier in the startup cost because it doesn't actually cost anything. But you definitely either want good school software from the get-go or just a basic good recurring billing program. Um, I also want to point out paid in fulls, offering a paid in full membership for let's say a six month package or a 12 months or whatever you're doing is so important. Like always offer it, always make it valuable in some way. Whether you get a discount because you do it, um, that's usually what makes sense. You get some sort of percentage off when you pay in full, whatever it might be. Of course, remember to offer a discount for second and third family members that you're adding on you always the easiest way to enroll another new student is a family member and with a paid in full um, if you don't ask for it you won't get it so i just wanted to point that out that people are willing to invest in that people are willing to see the value they might put it on a credit card they might pull it out of their savings account and just know that they're part of it is actually just mentally knowing that they took care of that you know, I took care of this for my child. The next year is paid for because this is important to me. And it gives them a sense of pride. And and that's a great thing. And then they're going to be more likely to follow through because they've already paid for it. Or whether if there's an adult program, they're like, you know, I'm totally invested in this. I'm not quitting. Like I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to do this six months. I'm going to do this 12 months, whatever it is and go all the way through. And I'm going to get this out of it. So that's how you can bring in initial revenue when you're launching your school. So today's question comes from Jonathan Martin from Tacoa, Georgia. Thank you, Jonathan, for sending in the question. His question is, how do you deal with parents who are lazy when it comes to getting their kids to class? Now, I'm sorry, Jonathan, that you've been dealing with this. I have experienced it as well. Um, this is really kind of difficult to handle once it starts. It's like a cancer that can spread. Um, my answer to this, though, is setting the tone for the beginning of the relationship. It's really important that... You, you show that you have a culture of respect, that you have a culture of high standards, that you take attendance very seriously. You point those things out. You might have a new student checklist that you go over saying things like, you know, it's required that the student has equipment. It's required that um, they show up to at least 90% of classes, or they they have to show up at least two times out of each week or whatever it might be. It's, you know, we're closed for holidays, and like you go over the most important um, things that they might get upset about at some point in the future. Like you need to verbally go over these things and make sure you're on the same page. You you need to set that tone and then continue it, right? It's just the way you are every day when people come to class. I've walked into martial arts schools before class starts. It's like mayhem. There's stuff everywhere. Kids are like playing and talking and like maybe a class is going on right now and they have no respect for that class. Like, no respect whatsoever. I I can't, I can't believe it when I see this. Like, I would never allow that in my school. Um, whenever a class is in session, people know to be very quiet, very respectful. If they have to talk on their phone, they step outside. If they have a small child that, you know, is getting kind of unruly, they, they know they can step outside or into another room with them. And that's something that we expect. We expect for people to respect the class in session. We expect that students and parents, the entire family, are going to show up, they're going to show up on time. I also have had a lot of issues in the past with people showing up late, the same people always showing up late to class. And like, really, are you always showing up late to class? Like, what's going on? The thing is, you need to have good communication, right? So I would recommend doing a student checkup, which is what I call them. It's really just a parent-teacher conference. Call that parent or right after class, talk to them in person, ideally. Well, because, you know, maybe they showed up late, so you couldn't before class. And you know, I've been really concerned because, you know, Johnny hasn't been coming to class very often. Um and, and Jonathan, you mentioned actually that the, the parents are lazy. So, you know, this is a difficult thing because I assume you're you, you know or somehow know based upon their personality type or that they're just not wanting to bring their kids to class. Like if they really don't want to bring their kids to class, they should not be in your school in general. And just point that out. Like, I have such high standards. That I would have that parent teacher conference and I would tell them, you know, this might not work out for you guys. Like at our academy, we want the very best for our students. We know consistent training is important. I understand. Sometimes we get sick. Sometimes we even go on vacations and things like that. Please give me a heads up. You know, tell me in person or send me an email so I know that Johnny's not going to be in class because that really helps me out. I want to make sure he makes it to at least two classes a week because that's what it takes for him to be successful. And that's what, what I'm here. I'm here to help him reach his goals of getting into better shape or to be more focused, just like we talked about, you know, kind of re-point out the initial benefit of why they signed up, if you remember or took note of that. You might even need to instate an attendance policy, um, just like a public or a private school does. And, you know, if you miss ten times out of the school year, um you can get on a bad list and you can even be expelled from the school state the state can even take action at least that how it, that's how it is in Texas it's it's pretty serious people take their academic education this seriously because the rules and the regulations and the standards are in place and they're there for a reason you can do the same thing for your martial arts school you know you might be afraid like to do this like oh i'm going to lose people because i'm pretty much bullying them and telling them hey if you don't show up to class then you know you really shouldn't be here i'm going to have to Uh, Cancel your membership. No, like, do that. It's actually going to increase the quality of the people that come to your school. It's going to improve the culture. You're not going to have these cancerous individuals that don't actually care about their children. And 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 I'm not saying that they don't, but their actions speak louder than their words. So I hope that answers your question somewhat. I mean, this is very much a difficult issue, but maybe the parent has something very difficult they're going through, some life change, things like that. That's why we try to have some level of communication with them, and we give them another chance and we work with them. But if it just continues to happen and continues to happen, basically fire the student in a kind way. So I hope you guys really enjoyed this episode. If you have any questions for me, you can send it through globalmartialarts.university. Just go to the contact form and send it over, or any other way you can get in touch with me. And uh, you guys continue to train hard, keep learning, and spread abundance.